the greatest gift, the unspeakable gift. Thank you for the love of God shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Ghost, which is given unto us. Thank you for the church, the body, the bride, the building of Christ. Thank you for the Word of God, the Holy Scriptures, the Bible. Thank you for this King James Bible. Our Father, we pray for the shepherd that you've given unto this flock. And Lord, yonder, I pray you'd breathe on him, strengthen him. Oh, God. Speak to him while he's in this, while he's in this separated place that you've put him. Put something in him that he can bring back to this flock, God, that they so dearly need. I got a feeling that's why you got him out there. And what he brings back to the flock, God, let the flock receive it. And our Lord, I pray you'd breathe on this revival. Send, send gale force winds. Rip our sails that blow so hard. Oh, Father. We ask for that. We pray for it. Lord, in Christ's name, touch us today. Amen. Amen. Well, while David was out killing that giant, he left the sheep with a keeper. Isn't that wonderful? I've, that's just burning in my heart. Y'all's David is out there fighting a giant. That ought to help you right there. God's left the sheep with a keeper. Keeper never was named. We got too many boys too worried about their name getting out. David left the sheep with the keeper. Ain't you glad you're one of the sheep? I'm glad I'm the keeper. It's feeling pretty good being the keeper. Mm. The Lord is my shepherd. Now, I was trying to take Brother Griffith's place this morning, but I felt I didn't tell anybody to check their mic. I was going to tell everybody to check your mic, check your mic, turn your mic. <laughs> I told myself since he wasn't up here, check your mic. Check your mic, turn your mic. And uh, I, t- <laughs> I told him earlier this morning I wasn't going to pick on him while he was gone, but I, thought, I felt like maybe I was telling a story about that. <laughs> I didn't mean to tell him that. <laughs> Hallelujah. Isn't the Lord good to us? Well, I think we need to get in the Jordan. Matthew chapter 3 and verse 13. Then cometh Jesus from Galilee to Jordan. Under John to be baptized of him. Well, y'all missed it. I done read it. <laughs> Brother Griffith likes to move fast around here, so I've done that fast anyway. I did that part fast. He'll be proud of it. Check your mic. Check your mic. <clears throat> y'all been checking them for 20 years, but he didn't want you to check them. That was for the preacher. Tonight I'll try to do his air guitar and play the piano. <laughs> holler obscure things at the choir, just things out of just holler stuff at the choir, just out of nowhere. Oh, choir, choir, come on. <laughs> the moment I told him I wasn't going to pick on him, I knew it was, I was lying when I said Came out of my mouth and I knew when I said I wasn't going, then I knew I was. (laughs) 
shouldn't pick on their friends behind their back, but that's when it's funnest. <laughs> I've been looking at the Holy Ghost. The Lord's had me looking at the Holy Ghost these past few days. Been preaching on the Holy Spirit. He's here. You can show a grieving and you can show a quenching. Those are opposite, contrasting things. You're grieving when you continue to do what he's been telling you not to do. That grieves him. And then on the opposite side is quenching. You quench him when you do not do what he's been telling you to do. Would that be the sin of omission and the sin of commission? And some of you having problems with sins of commission. There's some things you're doing and you can't get to victory over. And I think it's connected to your sins of omission. I really do. I mean, I made this talk to you this morning and let you go eat. Well, we need to have revival. God's sending it to us. We need to, when, when this visitation is passed, you're either going to be under judgment or under great blessing. And you got no choice. You can't be a sideliner. You can't watch. When your time of visitation is passed around here at Mountain View, and I don't know when that'll be, but there's a season you're in right now, and it's a special season. You ought to thank God for it. You ought to tell everybody, you know, leave me alone a month or two. God's talking to me. You're going to have to hurt some people's feelings if you're going to get revival. You can't do everything everybody wants you to do and then do what God wants you to do. And you sure can't continue to be everything everybody wants you to be and go over and be what God wants you to be. It's Corinthians 10. Don't turn there unless you feel like it. I usually look at anything I feel like when the man's preaching, but unless he's doing a real good job. <laughs> Corinthians 10. I'm a PK. I learned it a long time and having in a readiness to revenge all disobedience when your obedience is fulfilled. You're not going to get over your disobedience until you get your obedience in order. The things you've been plagued and pestered and hindered and hampered with Things you ought not be doing, and, I, and that covers a whole wide range. Some things, some things we all know are sinful, and you do too. And some things are not sinful at all. Just God's been telling you, I don't want you to give your time to that. I don't want you to give your energy to that. He's been telling something, and he's letting 25 people around you do that very thing, but he don't want you. He's got something for you. He's telling you, come here. That 2 Corinthians 10 is in the same context where the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but they're mighty through God to the pulling down strong holds. It's the Bible word for addiction. Strong holds. And in that same context, maybe two verses later, read it, I'm not sure. That is said and having in us a readiness to revenge all your disobedience. That's a pretty good way to treat the things in your life that the Lord doesn't like. Be ready to revenge them. Your disobedience when your obedience is fulfilled. Now, if you want to put it very practically, here's the practical way of putting that. If you'll start doing what God wants you to do, he'll give you the victory to be able to quit the things you need to quit. I think I can say it even better than that. Let's try again. If you'll start doing what you're supposed to be doing, you'll quit doing what you ain't supposed to be doing. 
That's kind of like this. If you're over there loving your wife, you won't be over there hiding in the house loving somebody else. If I'm in this church house tonight, again, I will not be in the bar house down there somewhere. See how doing the right thing gives you victory from quit doing the wrong thing. You'll pick up your Bible and turn off that computer. Some of you know what I mean. And that'll give you victory. chemical addictions and our whole society does and I'm not here to beat you up. You have chemical addictions, you got a drinking problem, you got a dope problem you got those kind of addictions and you hate it and you're struggling and you fight it. Let me tell you what to do. Find your pastor and three people that hang around the and just go where they're at and hang out with them. Go sit on the front porch. Pastor gets a little wore out, then go over to the deacon's house, sit on his front porch. Guarantee you won't be lighting up, shooting up nothing over there, sitting with the deacon on the front porch. Unless he is, and that might be a problem. In other words, and you get your paycheck Friday night, go to go find your preacher and take your fa- and go with him to a revival somewhere instead of going over there where on the street corner. Doing the right thing is the key to getting the victory to quit doing the wrong thing. And some of you are waiting on this revival to hit you. It's going to hit you when you get your obedience in order. Whatever he's been telling you. Now it's Ephesians 4 that says, grieve not the Spirit of God, whereby you are sealed under the day of redemption. There's a happy bubble for you. I've been, I've been sealed. I've been sealed. I've been sealed until the day of redemption. Charles Johnson and the revivers. That time it's, leave me alone. I need my backup up here to get them. I've been sealed. Sealed to the redemption. Looks like that's what we're going to talk about for just a minute. I'm praying that something special around here. Talked to the pastor about it this morning. He's the pastor. But I'm praying for something special. And all joking aside, all joking aside for a moment, that's hard for me, but all joking aside for a moment, I told the pastor, you can count on one thing, I'm going to respect his pulpit and respect his people today. Amen. Amen. It'd be bad if that keeper was irresponsible, wouldn't it? It'd be something if that keeper of the sheep was a bum and a yo-yo. Wouldn't that be something? Amen. And there's and there are liberties that I would take right here if he was sitting in here to pastor one. But he's not here. I'm gonna walk right in a certain confine. But I got news for you. This thing will break out if you'll get your obedience in order. And all that stuff you can't quit. And I ain't mad at you about it. I'm on your side. That's stuff you can't quit. If God's waiting on you to get started, and he'll start to quitting. You, you, get the, you rev up the getting started, he'll crank up the getting stopped. Do you know why America is a nation under bondage to sin? Because she quit doing the things that she's doing for God. She wasn't not doing things wrong until she quit doing things right. Y'all ain't helping me. Come out of World War II, started making money in the 50s and then quit going to the Lord's house. Money was more important than the Lord's house. And in came the 60s. Yeah. 
flesh, drugs, and rock and roll. There it came. But it wasn't until prosperity hit her in the 50s, come out of World War II. The reason some of y'all got caught up in some things you can't stop now is because way back on you quit doing some things that he had you doing. Y'all better help me. Turns out the text is Ephesians 4 and 1 Thessalonians 5. I have no idea why y'all are in Matthew 3. <laughs> Unless somebody earlier told you to. And I'm almost done. What was the text in Samuel where Saul got in trouble? He said, hey, big boy, obedience is better than sacrifice. The word sacrifice there represents wealth. What he's telling him is, you'd have been better off to obey God than trying to enrich yourself. That sacrifice was all them sacrificial animals. He was supposed to give God the tenth. Actually, supposed to give God the first fruits. That was the first city they went there and slaughtered. And God wanted the first fruits. But Saul kept back a whole bunch of stuff for himself. Cattle and herds and flocks. And see, that's the word sacrifice. All, all of them were supposed to be sacrificed. And when he told him obedience is better than sacrifice, he didn't mean obedience is better than the way you, we use the word sacrifice right now as to sacrifice something wonderful and noble, pay a price, give something or give up something. No, he was telling him, he said, you're trying to get wealthy off of this. And that was mine. Your obedience would have been better than your wealth. How do you think America got in the shape she's in? Uh, it's not wrong for you to have money. It's just wrong for you not to give the rest of us a bunch of it. No, I've said that ain't what I was going to say. Adrian Rogers said it ain't wrong for you to have money. It's wrong for money to have you. And if you won't tithe out of $100, you won't tithe off 100000 either. Don't be telling us what you'd do for the church if you come into half a million. You won't do the church with what you got in your hand. Well, I tell you what I do, hush. What you ain't doing is getting on my nerves. Be like the old big boy, the great old big boy, going through the wood, and that little old buddy hopping around next to him, talking to him. Little buddy looked at him and said, "Sam said." Said if I was as big as you, I'd find the biggest bear in these woods and I'd whoop him. He said, hey, little buddy, there's some little bears in these woods too. (laughs) (laughs) Won't you do what God told you to do? Then you'd be able to quit doing what he's been telling you to quit doing. There's a blessing that comes with obedience. If you'll obey God, there'll be power there. And you'll be able to stop doing. Now this meeting ain't gonna go any further. This move of God ain't gonna go no further in your life than what your willingness to bow and obey. Abraham cast out Ishmael and then he offered up Isaac. You talk about a man of obedience. Y'all help me right there. He was the father of the faith. Romans 4 said he was. And Hebrews 11, when Abraham got his honorable mention, you know what it was? That was the one word. It said he obeyed. Let's talk about two kings and let's talk about two kids. Remind me that I said that. I have A A A D D D. I have extra A's and D's on my disorders. 
I refuse to medicate any of them. This life's a lot more fun when there's seven or eight of you, you know. It just is. Lots of company. Never a dull moment. Let's talk about two kings and two kids, and then we'll move on in the Lord's day. Abraham told the king of Sodom, I ain't giving you a thing. I ain't messing with you. Turn around and told the king of Salem. Bowed down before him, had a worship service. Gave him tithes. Just come out of the first battle. That's Genesis 14, if you want to go look it up this afternoon. And the king of Sodom come out there to meet him. But so did the king of Salem. I'm talking about obedience. And he told that wicked king of Sodom, of, of Sodom, hit the road, Jack. And don't come back. <clears throat> no more, no more. <laughs> I just had a song pop in my head. I ought to write it. It's a pretty neat song. Here's what he told the king of Sodom. And then he bowed before the king of Salem. That's before Jeru got a hold of it. Before it was Jerusalem. Old Melchizedek come out there and met him. Now what you going to do when the two kings come out? King of Sodom come out and said, if you'll make an alliance with me, I'll make you a great and wealthy man. Abraham said, keep everything you got. And I'll give you anything you think's yours. I ain't going to have no ties to you. And he went over there and found the king of Salem. And he had a worship service. There's bread and wine there, Brother Spencer. Yeah. They told me you like to read your Bible. There's bread and wine there. Yeah. It's one of the first Lord's Supper in the Bible. <laughs> he said, Abraham met the king. <laughs> Gave him tithes and they broke bread and drank wine. Y'all ain't helping me. <laughs> Some of y'all can't get into the communion of Calvary. You can't sit down and commune with the king because you're over there, the king of Sodom, making deals. This this message just took a mean turn for a second. You're upset about all of them homosexuals in these hours, and that is an abomination. And we call them Sodomites, don't we, Sodomites? But if you serve the king of Sodom, wonder what that'd make you. Never had that thought in my life till just now. It's your blue suit helping me, Brother Kyle. Things are it's lighting things up. Things are lighting up right here with the earned shoes. That's pretty cool. Wonder what that'd make you if you was in alliance with the King of Sodom. Make you one of his. Make you one of his. Wonder how many spiritual sodomites we got in this church. I'm not talking about you're in sexual perversion, but I am talking about you made an alliance. And you're going to be so upset about all them sodomites and all their wickedness. And here you are, supposed to belong to the king of Salem, and you over there running with the king of Sodom. You ain't tithed. You ain't worshipped. You ain't bowed. He ain't your king. You ain't even met with him. You still over there, the king of Sodom, trying to work out stuff for yourself. See what this world can give you. What you can get from this world. Hey, y'all, the king's passing through here. It really is. The king 
king's passing through the mountains. He, he's passing through this flock. The king is. Boaz is down there walking through his field. That shepherd king's visiting over there in Solomon and his little bride. You know what's heartbreaking? Is it some of you over there with another king trying to benefit yourself? Just like Judas trying to make money. <clears throat> trying to enrich and benefit yourself with the king of this world. The king of Salem is passing through here and you out there all tangled up with the king of Sodom making, making business deals and listening to his lies. Be funny if they put that in the paper tomorrow, wouldn't it? Mountain View Baptist Church, bunch of spiritual sodomites. Well, that may, what does heaven's report read? All churches get a grade, they get a report, but a report card. Y'all remember the back of them old timey report cards? Works well with others. <laughs> I never got a sat. I didn't even get a satisfactory on that. That's what was good, excellent, satisfactory. Need to talk with everybody in charge. <laughs> I get N's and S's right there. <laughs> work well with others. I'd scratch that work with tormenting others. Excellent. Every church gets a report card. I know that from the seven churches in Revelation 2 and 3. Right before he raptures the church, chapter 4, verse 1, the, the, the churches, seven churches, got a grade. And didn't let your mama fill it out either. Keep that E, 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 G, E, E. Let that old mean teacher fill it out. Yes. And needs improvement. That's what it was. Needs, needs to meet with everybody in charge. He met with them seven churches. They wasn't but two of them got nothing but good marks. Several of them got good marks and bad marks. Some E's and N's. Excellent. Needs improvement. Two of them got straight E's. Excellent. That last church, it, it, it's all ends. Ladies, it needs improvement. If that king come walking through here today, would he have your heart or would you be so entangled with a worldly alliance and a self-benefit a self and self-centered alliance with this old world? Two kings. Let's talk about two kids. Ishmael and Isaac. He had two sons, didn't he? One he got from flesh and one he got from faith. One of them he worked out and the other one God worked out. And what he got from flesh, he had to cast out. What he got from God, he had to offer it up. And then he became the friend of God. He was not called the friend of God until after the other side of Genesis 22. Because the Lord put his arm around him going down the back side of that Genesis 22 mountain and said, man, you got some things in common now. We can spend time together. Because our God said to him, see, I had a bad son too. Went bad on me. Had to cat had to, had to cast him out of the garden. I had a good son, that second Adam. Yeah. Offered him up. Yeah. Y'all are going to have revival when you cast out whatever the flesh brought your way. And you're going to have revival whenever you offer back up to God whatever he gave you. But boy, you can trust him. He's not going to mistreat you. And, and the way Abraham wept, my son, my son, talking about Ishmael. Oh, that Ishmael might live before thee. 
would not acknowledge him, God wouldn't recognize him. I don't care what you're trying to make live in front of God and what you're trying to make acceptable and what you've worked out. You've got endeared to it. What about when he went up there? My brother, he went up there and he called Isaac his only beloved son. Thought he had another son. Oh, that one wasn't recognized. Y'all better be glad he don't recognize that first birth you had. That flesh man upon, upon Calvary's hill, he just deals with that precious son. Y'all sang the, what sins are you talking? Was that this morning? I've been in church like 40 something years. What sins are you talking about? He could almost say, what son are you talking about? I don't see that old flesh man. Ain't you glad he don't see the old man? He's operating with the new man. So what you gonna do? There's two kings. Satan's standing out there and he's a seducing and tempting and bribing and lying and wheeling and dealing. King of Salem standing over there ready to have church. <laughs> he's got he's got Calvary laid out in front of him. Everybody look at Hebrews seven. Come on to the instrument, please. Softly play for us. I'm about to shout. Hebrews 7. I'm about to pop a happy bubble the size of Arkansas. <laughs> Should have spelled it A-U if you didn't want nobody saying the S. I seen the S. Hebrews 7. That day, <laughs> there it is, verse 10 is what's beautiful. He is yet in the loins of his father <laughs> when Melchizedek met him. Talking about Levi. Hey, born several generations later. I'm going to say something, y'all better help me or they'll be up there playing 30 minutes while I continue to preach. Y'all better help me right here. He was yet in the loins of his father when Melchizedek met him. Here's what that said Levi, even though he's nowhere around for centuries to come, he was nowhere around. But he was there. When his when his forefathers, his fathers, met the king. And he benefited from a transaction and a covenant that went on before he was ever born. But tell you why I'm standing here. I'm standing here not because of anything I've done. They were some meetings and appointments back yonder. They were some covenants and transactions. Mephibosheth wasn't even born when David and Jonathan made that covenant. Jonathan had to deal with two kings. One was his daddy, but one was his David. I'm going to get this CD and listen to it. I ain't never heard none of this. I bet this will help me. <laughs> yeah, he had two kings in front of him. One was a type of the flesh, Saul. Men looked up to him. The other one was a type of the Lord. Men looked, men looked down on him. Didn't they? All them older brothers looked down on him. Y'all ain't helping me. There was a covenant went on. <laughs> Whoo, ah, nearly left you right there. Mm, me, gone, boom. Can't run quite as fast as Ben, but it'll be more exciting to watch me run. <laughs> be a lot of movement. <laughs> you gonna fix the door? You nearly took one door out somewhere. Took a door out. Yeah. 
God fell on this place real good, we'd knock all these doors out. Because I was sitting in a loaded bar. I really was. It just ain't, I ain't never done just preaching. Wouldn't know how to start that. I was crippled. Some of our family branches were real messed up. And I was already a crooked branch. I really was. Hey! I was crippled by the fall of another. Belonged to the wrong family. Supposed to have been killed by the righteous family. My days of chariot pulled up to where I was. I thought they've come to kill me, but somebody said, no, the king came himself. He didn't come to kill you, come to gather you up in his arms. Take you back to the palace. Adopt you as one of his own. How did that happen? Well, I'll tell you how that happened, Mephibosheth. You were yet in the loins. When your father met the king. And your, your father bowed before the king. Jonathan stripped himself of all of his kingly garments. Anything that made him anything, he got rid of. His sword, his 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 clothes, his his robes, his rifle. He got rid of everything that made him anything. That's what's going to have to happen here in this meeting. Anything that makes you anything, you're going to have to strip it off. Here, and here's the kicker. Because y'all don't know if the Lord tarries is coming. What some of y'all are entering into a covenant with God. You don't even know it. Most people enter into covenant with God never knew they did. But God knew it. God said, yeah, me and you got an arrangement. Me and you got an arrangement that I shall not forget. Woo! Where y'all want this thing? Fix the throat. Fix the throat. That window or that one? He's paying for a door. I'll pay for a window. I'm here. Because back there somewhere, one of my fathers, the king came passing. And he told the king of Sodom, don't need nothing you got. You ain't my king. My king's over there breaking bread and shedding blood. Now I'm trying to hush. Go ahead. Not till now. I'm gonna take a long story and I'm gonna make it a short version. I usually take a short story and make it long. That's the third me does that. <laughs> I had a grandmother, she's 12 years old. Dad was an atheist, our great grandfather. Back in those days, mean men could get away with being mean. A lot more than they could now. Not everything was good about the good old days. Now, they some gray hairs in here raised up in old days under some trunks. And they could tell some of you youngins why you need to be lapping this place, thanking God for the kind of home you got. I had a grandfather die a sod drunk. On one side, the other side, this was a great grandfather. They was having one of them fall revivals when the America used to have the little one-room schoolhouses. And all the kids could go to the meeting and was getting saved except my grandmother, Frida Bird. She wasn't allowed 
teacher held her after one. <laughs> and said, Frida, I know your daddy won't let you go to the meeting. So I wanted to tell you what they've not been able to tell you. I want to tell you about Jesus. <laughs> Jesus was 12 when he went to the temple and so was my grandma. She tried anyway. She stood out on the front porch, got her little cotton dress on. And I skipped along. He come out and beat her. Freda, what are you doing? She said, Papa, they're having a meeting at the church and I want to go. And he took some leather straps that belonged on the mules and beat the dress off her back. And they scared it to interfere. And after a few minutes, and he was out of sight. Now see, some of y'all have been around this. Some of you youngins need to go to this altar and thank you that you've never been around nothing like it. They come out and gathered her up and they put that old salve on her back. She stitched her own dress and next Sunday morning she was standing there with a Bible. And the same thing happened. Couldn't even walk right during the week with her back. But she stood up out there the third Sunday. <laughs> and I wasn't nowhere around, but I was right there. <laughs> Why do you reckon all of her sons made preachers? And like 80% of her many grandsons made preachers. And the other 20% made Christians. Why do you think all them daughters and granddaughters married preachers? She, <laughs> she had us all out there in a the little front porch. <laughs> She's 12. <laughs> Third Sunday, he come out there. He said, do whatever you want to do. And she went to church the rest of her life. And that day, a little 12-year-old girl walked with a stitched-up dress and a little Bible the teacher gave her. And she carried me to church. She actually carried me to Jesus. Maybe the reason I get to stand here and preach the shed blood is because my grandmother shed blood. She shed blood. <laughs> so what you do with them two kings is going to affect everybody coming behind you. I want y'all to play out loud. I want y'all to stand and this altar's open.
Brother Boyce Camp is now Brother Boyce Camp. He's asking the Lord to save Say 